Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Paul writing here says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and that the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish that those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbors as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. I hope this morning the Lord will add to the reading of his word. Would you be seated? Last week we, we, looked, at, we looked at how absurd it was for we who are in Christ to continue to try to live out some type of righteousness, to, to try to continue to work in such a way as to give ourselves uh, salvation. How, how foolish it is. It just doesn't really make sense because we have been given salvation by God through His amazing and wonderful grace. And there is no amount of work that we can do uh, that's going to, to cause us to be any more saved, to have any more favor with God, because He has given us complete favor. He has called us His children. We once were in slavery to sin, and God has given us freedom in Christ. But the Galatians are dealing with they're dealing with wanting to go back to the old way, with wanting to go back to what had happened to them before. And, and even though it doesn't make sense, even though it, it seems absurd, that is, is where they're going. And they have missed a point. And Paul makes that very clear here in chapter 5, verse 1. He, he makes the point that they were freed from the bondage of sin, from the bondage of the law, they were freed to freedom. Not only were they freed from something, which we have, we have seen time and time again, what they were freed from, but they were freed to something. 
And this week and the next two as we finish up the book of Galatians, I, I want us to see what we have been freed to. Because if we take all of the other stuff, if we look at everything that we have looked at in the book of Galatians, if we consider all the things we've been freed from, that is good. It's, it's very good. But I think what we sometimes do is we see what we have been freed out of and we fail to consider what God has delivered us to. And if we miss that, if we, if we miss what we have been brought into because we have a relationship with Christ, what we are tempted to do is to go back to all the other stuff. And I, I hope you'll see that as we, we go through this morning. He says, first, for freedom you were freed. We have been set apart so that we would not return to bondage. He has made us free, and making us free, we have real freedom. Now, we get confused, I think, a lot of times on what freedom is. Freedom is not anarchy. It is not our ability to do whatever we want. And you might say, well... How is it really free? Well, you, you've got to come to the realization, and we understand this in our, in our country and in our community, that nobody is ever allowed to do whatever they want. No human being is ever allowed to do whatever they want. You may say, well, what about the worst tyrant and dictator? They may have the ability on earth, in the place that they are at, to do whatever they want. But you and I are also well aware that there is still one who sits on a throne who gives power to governments and principalities and organizations. God himself still sits powerfully on his throne. And our thoughts about freedom or free will are never able to overcome the sovereignty of God. And I'm awfully thankful for that. Because knowing my heart, if my heart had free reign to do whatever it wants, the one thing it would never do is seek after God. You this morning, if your heart had complete freedom to do whatever you want, your heart would never seek after God. So God has saved us to freedom. And Paul tells them in verse 1, Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Why is it that you would want to ever go back under slavery once you had been freed? And yet, that seems to be the human, the human desire. We can see that played out for us very vividly on the news over the last couple of years if you follow anything that has happened in the Middle East. We, we saw just a couple of years ago, it seemed like country after country in the Middle East that was, that was controlled by some dictator or, or powerful regime, they, would, they were rising up. It happened in Libya. It happened in Egypt. Um, it happened in Tunisia. It happened in multiple places throughout the Middle East where, where people were rising up wanting freedom. We don't like this dictator. We don't like this tyrant. 
It's happening in Syria right now. They've been in war for two years because the, the, the president there is a ruthless dictator. But what's happened in each one of those situations? Each and every time that they have allegedly wanted freedom, what they have done is exchanged one tyrant for another. They've ch- exchanged one brutal regime for another. Every country that's ever existed, even when they have desired freedom, at some point they begin to fall back into tyranny. They begin to fall back into bondage. They might enjoy their freedom for a while, but once someone is in power, they begin to push it again to come back into more power. Paul says that's what's happening to them. You have been freed by Christ. You have been freed by Christ to freedom in Christ. Why would you want to once again come under bondage? Because if you do, he says it removes any advantage that you have in Christ. Look here, he says, I say that if you accept circumcision, verse 2, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Now what that leads me to understand is that if if Christ can be of no advantage to you if you do one thing, then obviously if another thing is taking place, then Christ is what? He is an advantage. There is an advantage to being in Christ. In Christ we are justified by our own, or we are justified rather by His righteousness and not our own. He reminds them in verse 3 that that anyone who accepts this circumcision, anyone who wants to again come back into the old way of doing things, he must then come under the whole law. Not a one-time event, but if if he wants to go back, if we want to go back and, and pick up the things that we once had, what we have to understand is we have to pick up all of it. We have to take on the burden of everything. And guess what? Have you ever read through the first five books of the Bible? It portrays God as a holy, holy, holy God. And it shows us as the vilest of sinners. Go back through there and read it sometime. You think you can do all of that? You think you can pick all of that up and take it on? That you can keep all of the rules and all of the regulations? I don't think so. Only one person who has ever lived kept the whole law. And that was God himself. And he had wrote it. He knew what it looked like. He knew what it was. And it reflected his holiness. So he he says if, if we want to go back to the old way... We will pick up the whole law. We will have no grace. We will receive no mercy. Christ is taken out of the equation. We no longer have to worry about Him. He's gone. He's of no advantage to us. He's of no help to us. He's not going to be there for us if we want to go back to the old way of doing things. See, in Christ, the Holy Spirit is working. The Holy Spirit is guiding our hearts. What matters, Paul says, is faith working through love. The Spirit working in our hearts. Not, not 
us trying to keep the law, us trying to do enough on our own. It simply will not happen. What it does is it prevents us from obeying the truth. He says that in verse 7. He says, you are running well. He, he reflects on what they were doing, and they were doing a really good job. Everything was going really good for them. They were following after Christ. He says, you are running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Now, that's interesting because you and I, if we were, if we were doing the things that we see reflected in the law, if we were trying to be obedient, we, we might see ourselves as living a very godly lifestyle. If, if we kept everything to the letter of the law as best we could, we might look very godly. Someone may look at our life and go, wow, that, that guy's got it all together. He, he, he looks great. He's doing a good job. But, but Paul says that if that is our mindset, that, that we can do well and do good enough, then what we're doing is not obeying the truth. See, the Christian obeying the truth involves obedience to another law. The law of Christ, which we see in, in verse 14, and we'll get to in a second, it's, it's that we love one another. That, that's the truth. That's the law that we're called to obey. But if we try to do something else, what we'll find is we're, we miss it. If we spend our time concentrating on how we can better ourselves, if we think we can, we can have some self-help program that's going to make us do better, if we think we're going to live godly, we neglect the truth of the gospel. First, we'll neglect the reality that we are incapable of pleasing God. Now, some of you, you don't have that problem. You stay down on yourself all the time. You don't have to ever worry about thinking that you can please God on your own. I'm not saying you need to be down on yourself all the time. But it's a pretty good thing when we realize our own sinfulness. As a matter of fact, that, that puts us in a really good place when we realize that we are sinful and we are incapable on our own of pleasing God. But if we try to work it out ourselves, we'll, we'll come to that point where we feel real good. Especially when we look at other people. We look around at their sin, we look around at their shortcomings, and we'll feel really good about ourselves. We'll miss the truth. We'll neglect to realize that we're incapable of pleasing God. A second one, we'll, regret, we'll neglect the reality that the world is in desperate need of the gospel. If the truth is you can get there on your own, if the truth is that you can work your way to God, if that's the truth, then we have no need to tell anyone about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have no need to tell anyone the good news that Christ has died for them, that through Christ they can have a relationship with God. If the truth is you can do it on your own, then we will very quickly neglect the gospel and we will pick up telling people how they can work their way to God. And friends, that is so tempting. It is so tempting. 
Because I can sit down with someone and I can tell them, your life is a mess. This is what you need to do. I can make the list. You're doing this, don't do it anymore. You're doing this, don't do this anymore. You're not doing this, start doing this. And some of those things may be very good. Some of those things may be things they need to stop or to start. But that will never help them. We've got a precious book that has powerful words. But if we just tell people to read it and never help them understand what it says, never tell them that it is the Holy Spirit of God that takes these words and pierces our heart, then we do them a disservice because we will neglect the gospel. A third thing here, we will neglect the reality that the world is saved through the proclamation of the gospel. The Bible tells us that people are saved by hearing God's word. They're saved by hearing the message of Christ. There'll be a lot of preaching today that happens in churches. Hopefully not, but probably in our area. Where the Bible is not preached. Where God's word is not proclaimed. Where the gospel is not central. There will be a multitude of sermons in alleged churches where self-help, self-righteousness is proclaimed. And it's proclaimed as godliness. It might be more interesting than what you hear today. It might make you leave feeling a lot better. I'm sorry. You'll have to deal with that. Because I'm not going to deal with it. There are plenty of things that we need to do in our lives. To live lives that are pleasing to God. Don't mishear me on that. He's going to talk about that for the rest of chapter 5 and all of chapter 6. He's going to talk about it here in the last point of this message. But we do not do those things to get to God. And if we don't tell people they need Jesus, they will live this life and they will die and enter eternity with no hope. And that's from the most, the, the, the best person who has ever lived, the most godly looking person that has ever lived. The Bible promises that they have no hope. That's for your grandmother who does not know Jesus. Just as much as it is for the vilest offender in our prisons. If they die without Christ, they have no hope. That's hard to hear. But if we do not realize that people need Jesus, we will take grandma and we will tell her she is okay because she is sweet and lovely and bakes good cookies. And we will... Tell the guy in jail that he needs, he needs to get better. Aren't we more likely even to go to the prison and tell them they need Jesus and ignore our grandmothers and aunts and uncles and fathers and brothers and sons and daughters who do not know Christ? If we revert to slavery, we'll no longer proclaim the gospel because it won't be important. Paul 
tells them firmly, do not go back because slavery prevents you from obeying the truth. Lastly here, I told you he said we couldn't do whatever. Freedom is not doing whatever. He says in verse 13, for you were called to freedom, brothers. He says it again. He said it in verse 1. You were, for freedom Christ has set us free. Here again, for you were called to freedom. But what is freedom? What is freedom in Christ? He says only, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. I thought freedom was all about me. I thought freedom was supposed to be about what I can do. That's where sometimes the American dream gets in our way of our faith. We have a country built on individual freedom, and and I kind of like that because I don't really like other people in our country telling me what to do. Because if you've noticed lately, they're not going to tell you to do the right thing. They're not going to tell you to do things that are glorifying and honoring to Christ. But God tells us in His Word that we have been set free to serve one another. We have been set free to love one another. What that tells me is when we're in bondage, we will not serve one another. We will serve our own interests. It tells me that when we're in bondage, we will not love one another. We will love ourselves. He shifts gears here. And he wants to bring them back to what they've been missing. It it took four and a half chapters telling them about the bondage of the law, the bondage of sin in their life. And now he's ready to tell them about what freedom is. See, it's foolish to me to think that God would ever tell us to do whatever we want. He started out with one rule. One rule. And it was a really easy rule. You can eat anything you want in all of creation that I have made. Except for this one tree. Just just stay away from it. And you get the sense in Scripture, and we don't know how much time passed and how long they're in the garden, but it almost sounds like they heard him say that and ran toward the tree. Our nature apart from Christ is to run toward the things that we want. It's to pursue our own interests and our own desires. We don't want anybody to tell us what to do, especially God. And we pick up that that idea and we see freedom. And we go, we can do whatever we want. Or we see passages that says that you shouldn't judge other people. And we say, see, I can do whatever I want. You can't judge me. And that just shows me you've not read your Bible at all. Because God has called us to freedom that is greater than anything we could imagine as we look at the structures of human governments. You might read the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and be moved by their words, but they do not compare with the words of God where He gives us freedom in Him. 
Freedom that cannot be taken away. Freedom that cannot be infringed upon. He says, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another, for the law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You know, it's interesting that he uses that because where's that quote from? It's from the law, right? I think it shows us that we have missed what the law was talking about. When we pick up the mantra of legalism, when we tell people things other than Christ, we have missed it because Christ, he went to the law. As a matter of fact, I want to read it for you in Matthew, from Matthew 22. Someone asked Jesus, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. They had missed the boat. They had misunderstood what God had called them to. They had missed the boat on the law, and Jesus brings it back to the law. And he says, freedom is this, that you love one another. See, if, if you don't love other people, you'll, you'll never tell them the gospel. I mean, if you think about it like this, how much do you have to hate someone not to tell them how they could be saved? How much do you have to hate another person to deny telling them the truth? That's why I see it as my responsibility when I stand here to tell you that. Because there's some of you here this morning who do not know Christ. We, we don't have a room this size and there not be people who do not know Jesus. How much would I have to hate you not to tell you that Christ, He loves you. He's died for you. He wants you to stop trying to do this junk on your own because it's not going to work. Everybody that we read throughout the Scripture, starting in Genesis, they fail. They fail time and time again to live up to God's standard, which is perfection. But the Scriptures tell us that God, because of the great love that He has for us, sent His Son. He sent His Son, and His Son died in your place. Go back to the law. Find the penalty there when someone sinned. Find the penalty there when someone fell short of God's glory. It was death. So God sent his son to die in your place. You may be here this morning and you, you, your life is messed up. It's terrible. You're at the right place. Because you're not going to find help somewhere else. You're, you're not going to find salvation somewhere else. You're not going to find somewhere else where the, the person who you are communing with, they, they know. They know what you're going through. They have seen it. As a matter of fact, they know it better than you do. 
But that's our God. Our God. He has made us. He knows our needs. He knows the desires of our heart. And He has come to save us. If we go back, if we turn back to the slavery that we had, Christ is of no benefit to us. We're back trying to do it on our own. So the question this morning for us is this. Which, which do we choose? Do we choose bondage to the law? The bondage that will maybe make us look like we're okay people. But the bondage of the law that leads us straight to destruction. Next week, we're, we're going to talk about what it looks like. What it looks like when we are walking with God. Paul says we'll have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. But before we can even think about that, we have to realize that he said walk by the Spirit. And if you're here this morning and you do not know Christ, Wouldn't today be the perfect day to turn your heart and life over to Him? To, to say, God, I can't do it anymore. I can't be good enough. God, I need you. Now, for those of you who are believers, if we allow our hearts to be called up by those things which God has put to death, we will not be effective for the gospel. We will not live a life that is pleasing to God. We will not walk by the Spirit. How can we prepare next week to hear about walking by the Spirit if we're still picking up the things that God has set aside? This morning, would you cry out to Him? Would you pray, God, I want to walk in what you have done. I want to walk in your resurrection. I want to walk in your life. I don't want to walk in another way. If we cry out to him this morning, his spirit will lead our heart. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, God, we... I thank you that you remind us often of our inability. God, that we just have, we have no hope apart from you. We have no future, we have no grace. And God, I pray that those who are here who don't know you this morning would be convicted of that. That you would speak into their heart and, and tell them that you are the way and you are the truth and you are the life, that, that you give life to them and you, God, you desire their hearts this morning. God, I pray that you would be with the believers who are here. God, encourage us not just today, but each and every day to, to put off the shackles of bondage and to take up, God, to take up the good news of the gospel. God, speak to our hearts this morning. God, help us to
trust that you are who you have said and God obey your word. And we ask this this morning in Christ's name. Amen. This morning we're going to sing, and as we sing, I invite you to respond to what God has said, what God has called us to. Well, it was good to see you this morning, and uh, glad that you uh, um, came out to worship. And I pray that what we do is, is that we daily, we daily deal with what God is doing in our heart. Because it, it can't just be today that we say, you know what, we're going we're gonna to put aside the old way, the old things, and we're going to pursue what God has called us to do. We're going to pursue His godliness and righteousness in Christ. If we just do it on Sundays, we're going to have six days of turmoil and fighting. Because the old way wants to come back up. But daily, we put it to death.